You're on, folks. <laughs> See, Oops. I'm still quiet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone talk because I'm operating. <laughs> I can't operate Zoom and talk to you all at the same time. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast, a childless community podcast with Michael Hughes, Berenice Smith and me, Sarah Lawrence. If you're new to this podcast, we're here to delve beneath the surface of the childless identity, to cover what's going on in the wider community and to look at the topics that really affect us. Our goal is to help and support those of you out in the community by sharing the stories and the voices that make up our narrative so that you too can begin to find yours. We also aim to inform and educate those who aren't members of our community so that they can begin to understand and support those people in their lives who are facing a life without children. In this episode, we're lucky enough to be joined by Karen Enfield de Vries, founder of Pure Transformations. She's a grief counsellor, coach and consultant helping support childless people and organisations deal with grief and loss. Now you might recognise Karen from episode 5 when she joined us as a World Childless Week ambassador. Karen is very active in our community and it was great to have her back on, talking about something she's really truly passionate about and which we could all do more of, which is treating ourselves with self-compassion and looking to connect with others in our community. This is a really engaging and informative episode, not least because this was our first live audience while we were recording. This meant that not only did we have stage fright, but we also had live questions and live interactions with our audience. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode all about how we can have a little bit more compassion for ourselves. Well then, I suppose we should welcome Karen, really, <laughs> as a start. Well, probably, probably good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Karen. Lovely to have you on. Thank you, Sarah. And also, hi, Michael. Hi, Berenice. It is so nice to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And um, as, just like you uh, just sent yourself, let's take a deep breath and let's do, just jump right in. <laughs> so, Karen, who are you and what do you do? I am Karen Enfield de Vries. I am a Dutchie living in Belgium, married to an Englishman. Um, that would explain my names. And I am um, working as a grief and loss counsellor, a well-being coach and a change management consultant, all rolled into one as part of my um, own business called Pure Transformations. Um, and for, through that business, I support um, people going through transformations, going through any changes in life, dealing with loss and the grief that comes with it, with a particular strong focus on supporting women who are childless, not by choice. That is fantastic. That must keep you very, very busy. Uh, yes, it, uh, it keeps me a little bit too busy at times, but then it's also there's kind of like low moments throughout the year. So it's um, it's great fun, to be honest with you. And um uh, a great learning curve, I should add as well. <laughs> mm. I was going to say, does it, I think better, sometimes some of the things that we do can actually aid our own well-being as well. Do you find that with, with the work you do? Uh, yes, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Um, through my own, through the work that I've, that I'm doing now, I get kind of, it's really strange to be honest with you. I kind of get reminders of what I went through myself, but it's also kind of um, very, comforting in a sense to kind of see okay hey 
there is ways through this. I, I get triggers of, oh my gosh, I remember when I was at this certain moment in time in my own grief journey when I'm working with clients um, and then uh, helping them through that moment in time through my own lived experience is of course absolutely wonderful because but that yet again everybody grieves in their own unique way and I think that's also very wonderful um, but yeah it's been really kind of yeah healing is the right word it's very very wholesome very healing to do this work I um, I wouldn't want to do anything else anymore to be completely honest with you I just love it fantastic mm. yeah. how have you found it then because it obviously being reminded of your own grief, it, does it feel different uh, for you? Because obviously you're you're working with that grief for somebody else, aren't you? But you're, I guess, it's pushing up against yours, your stuff as well. Yeah, well, um, um, I did. Um, I, I finished a, a three-year studies of to become a grief and loss counselor, and of course, part of that um, uh, is to go through your own grief journey. And part of my thesis was that I had to write a whole essay about going through my own. Uh, grief journey from even you know from from even before you're born you, you have to kind of start looking at losses in your family lines and stuff like that because they all impact um, you as you grow up and and how you are taught to deal with loss and deal with grief and I also learned to kind of protect myself when I am working with with others who are grieving and when I am when I'm there in the capacity of a counselor or as a coach or as a, a consultant to really be present with the other person eh, with their grief and what, what they are going through and to kind of not kind of let that take over or kind of jump over into my own grief or my own um, experience. And of course, I'm a human being, not a human doing. So there are times where someone shares something with me that really moves me or really touches me. And yeah, and I I try to be as open as, as much as possible as I can be, whilst, of course, still remaining my professional um uh, professionalism i should say um in that com connection with that with the other person but it's um and i think it's also kind of beautiful to be honest to kind of share grief with 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 people especially when you're talking about a topic that is so close to my heart in this case childlessness ask a really a, an interesting question or something that's brought up something for me is this this idea of of protecting yourself from other people's grief and i feel mm sometimes in our community um certainly myself um Sarah you might have to chime in here as well but that idea of how you protect yourself from other people's grief what does that look like so in terms of people maybe listening to this thinking well I'd like to be able to, to at least try that because of course grief is infectious all situations can be difficult mm. boundaries how does that work for you and in a professional sense that might actually aid people listening to the podcast Hmm. Thank you for that question. Um, I think it's a combination of a few things. For me, um, I think the number one thing that has always has always helped me, even before I I I did my studies, is what I've what I learned when I joined the childless community as well is to be super super self compassionate, and to be really kind with yourself, and to kind of put your own needs and your own self-care above that of looking after other people. I have a 
I used to have, well, I still do to a certain extent, have a very a, a tendency to look after others before I look after myself. And of course, yeah, like when you're on an airplane, when the oxygen mask drops out, God forbid we ever have to experience that ourselves. But and that's what they always say, put your own oxygen mask on first before helping someone else. And I think for me, that's been instrumental in also kind of connecting with other people's grief in childless community, um, in a childless community, childless communities I've been part of, um, I'm still part, uh, and I'm still part of, I should say. Um, so self-compassion, it's kind of, it's kind of, it, allow yourself also to step away if you feel overwhelmed and to not respond immediately from that emotional response that you might get when when someone writes or shares or posts something um of what they have experienced and it really triggers you um look after yourself first before you jump in and respond because that might actually fuel your grief or fuel your your triggers rather than helping your nervous system to calm down first before you then respond so that's been instrumental for me so that's one of the things um and the other thing is that what also been really helpful for me is to kind of sounds a bit contradicting but to also then connect with my own safety network kind of so to speak so that if I am triggered by something that I see in the childless community I have connections in that community that are kind of like my go-to people like oh gosh you know I've just read this post or I've just seen this video or I've just heard this I got triggered um, are you around so that I, I can actually interact with, with a person that I trust that I know one-on-one -on -one. Again, it's part of self-care, I suppose, but it's also to kind of really just look look for look for that connection at in that moment in time, to kind of have a soundboard. Hmm. I think that's I think that's really sound advice, isn't it? I I tend to find um, when I'm working with people, and I, and I'm guilty of this myself. Like, what the heck is self-compassion? Hmm. You know what I mean? We we use that terminology, and in the practical application, I think that's where sometimes we get a bit lost it's like well what is self-compassion and you know you know when you're in a bitch is just going absolutely crazy or you've been triggered or you're feeling really sad I think it's how do we how do we work with self-compassion what what tips would you have for that Karen how how do you identify how to be self-compassionate if you like with yourself I love that question what works for me, and of course, this could, this may look different for anybody's listening to this and even for you guys here, but what really works for me is to kind of, um, uh, again, a couple of things, but the one that really jumps to jumps out for me um, is that how would I respond if this was a friend telling me their story or telling me what, what their experience or what, what they went through? How would I respond to them? and um, to kind of go from there and then apply and think about those answers and then apply some of those answers actually well you know what if I if I if I would say that to a friend or to even not a friend just someone telling me a story um, why don't I speak to myself that way so I try to kind of practice with hey if I respond to another person in this way well what can I take from that and share that with myself as well in in that in that moment in time I think that has really helped me to kind of well not shut up that inner bitch because I I've learned as well that inner bitches um are there for well, a reason it, may, it might be a bit too strong but they are there to kind of like like um 
alarm. I'm, 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 I'm visualizing this. I'm sorry. I realize we're on a podcast. Um, uh, like an alarm bell going off, like a, an alarm light on, on, on your dashboard in your car. It's like, oh, hey, you know, pay attention. Someone's trying to make you um, sit up and listen. And um, and then and then, of course, it's really important to also learn to make the distinction between the inner critical voice being the voice of truth or actually the inner critical voice just being um, a voice from the past, a critical voice from the past or, um, you know, just trying to kind of talk you out of a situation rather than actually encourage you to move forward in that situation. So that's been really helpful for me. Um, and there's lots of exercises you can do around that. But that's and then yeah, self-compassion. Just kind of hold yourself with kindness, gentleness, and tons of love, to be honest with you. Karen, I'm interested to understand how you um, how you built that security, well, for want of a better word, that security network around you. Um, you know, we we know the childless community are very siloed. We we protect mm-hmm. ourselves very, very diligently so how how hard did you find it to make that and what tips do you have for people who uh would really love that but just are like i i I don't know how to do it oh gosh michael i think that's so far the biggest question of the day um how do i do it How, how do we do it you know and we i mean you as a collective us as a collective we um Courage, I suppose. It takes courage and also I think a certain willingness maybe even also to kind of, hey, I I, I want to move forward through this. I want to heal. I want to find those connections. Um, and then also be brutally honest with yourself, to be, to be real frank here, um, is to say, okay, what am I aiming to get out of this? What is it? What is it that I need? Do I just need a sounding board? Do I need a place to offload? Do I need a place to vent my anger? Do I need a place to vent uh, or just to rant and rave about the unfairness of it all? Or am I actually looking for a deeper connection that can help me um, kind of work through the grief together and kind of move move in towards a direction of healing um, as a collective? And how can you then pick the people around you or from, from that community? Um, you know, because at the same time, it's a bit of a, I'm curious to hear how your experience, I'm going to ask a question to you guys in a minute, but I'm curious to hear about your experience around this. But for me, I've also found what you just said as well. We There's such a protection within the childless community and it's such a, it's such a siloed community. And it's also a community, and I think I've said it before, I didn't really want to be a part of, if you get catch my drift. I never expected mm-hmm. to be in this community when I yeah, was, you know, I think none of us were, you know, um, being childless, not by choice or by circumstance. We didn't choose to be here. And so that in itself can be a huge process to kind of get to a a place of acceptance around that. And not everybody that you meet in this community is your cup of tea. You know, not everybody, um, just because you went through the same thing doesn't automatically mean, oh, hey, we're, we're best friends now. And I think I've had to learn that as well. That um, and that and also to kind of um, acknowledge that that's okay too. You know that I have had mm. connections with people who've really helped me through a certain point of in my childless grief. Um, 
but who I'm now lo no longer in touch with. And they were there for a specific period of time or for specific to help me feel a need that I had um, in my healing journey. Um, and of course, I'm fortunate as, as well to have really made friends um, in these unexpected places that people who I've never would have met otherwise. So it's it's a kind of a bittersweet feeling there. And I'm just curious to hear if that's all right. I know I'm a guest here, but I'm curious to hear <laughs> what that's been like for you guys. <laughs> oh, we, we knew this was coming. We, we knew you'd be fitting that way. I'm going to open up the chat as well in a second to um, our audience here so they can pop something in if they want to too, because I think that's a really good question. And you may want to ask some questions yourself of us and of Corey. So I'm going to open that up now. Um, and we'll, in the meantime, we'll um, try and answer that question. <laughs> that's a big question, isn't it? Michael, Michael, you started this. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, my my answer is actually really, really simple. That um, you just reach out. Just, I, just reach out to people. Now, I have. I I understand that I have the personality where I I just do that. I, <laughs> Berenice and I were talking the other day about um, ancestry DNA results as an example. And do you, I, I probably didn't tell you this, Berenice, but I reached out to nearly every one of my DNA results and said, oh, we're related. Would you like to explore how we, how, you know, how we're related really? through DNA? That's like, yeah. like yeah. 5,000 emails. I mean. Well, well okay, not 5,000, but, you know, at least a couple of hundred. The, yeah. the, the, top, the top 200. And of course, no. And, and like Karen said, there are some people that will just totally ignore you, and there are others that were like, "Oh yeah, look, I, I would love to." And and the parallel there is that that what I've discovered through this ancestry journey has been some rich and bloody amazing stories, and that's exactly what's happened. This, the same time I do that with um, the, the childless community mm. in that, you know, I I know so many people, some quite well, and some you would say as acquaintances, but some of the stories that have come out of it, and some of them are absolutely bloody heart-wrenching. But then others, mm. um, like like our podcast, you know, we, we took a risk. We took a risk to start a podcast, and some of the stuff that's come our way we knew this was going to happen. Excuse me. Mm. <clears throat> Some okay, of the stuff that's come our way makes me do this. Mm. And so, yeah, um, I just, I guess I just take the risk yeah. and think, fuck it, I'm going to do it and see where it goes. <laughs> and really, that's as simple as it is for me. And I, I know that that others, you know, perhaps can't do that, but I hope that just from what I've said can give some people some inspiration about you know, how it could be done. Mm -hmm. not, not saying that my way's perfect, but, yeah. No, well, you and I were talking about this, weren't we, um, the other day, Michael. I, I, <clears throat> I'm a raging introvert. The yeah. thought of sending out loads of emails to random people that I, I am... <laughs> you know, relate to just chills me to the bone, really. I'm just like, shit, no. Um, but I think I think I you know, if we were to imagine a scale, I'd kind of be at the opposite end to you. But I, I found that actually connection 
was what I really needed. Um, mm. When I first was told that childlessness, you know, I wouldn't have children. I was, my, my automatic response is to right, withdraw. And then I was like, no, this is too big. I can't withdraw from this. So for me, going looking at books, uh, you know, whatever was out there really, and there wasn't much when I came to this community. There's Now there's a whole wealth of stuff that you can connect to. The podcast, you know, is I would say almost what I would be crying out for mm-hmm. so that I could hear voices with my story, but I wouldn't necessarily have to share my story. So I, for me, I'd say any sort of connection really, even if it's reading a book, listen to a podcast whatever you need to hear something reflected back at you um as an introvert that gave me that would give me the confidence to go right okay then I know it's safe for me to reach out to that community in person but it would take me a couple of steps to get there I I would not be sending emails out to people (laughs) hi there we're related no (laughs) that's never gonna happen but I'd really admire that you do that I think that's something that I would like to you know, be able to do and, and aspire to do. So that's something for me to work on, I think. And thank you, Sarah, for that. And I, I'm just sorry, just as you're listening to you that I'm just imagining us all sending emails to every childless person in the world. It's like, hey, you know, we, we've got similar stories. Want to connect? <laughs> just how would that have you, so, have, you, have, you, have you seen my Facebook friendship list? You have a look at that. I've done it already. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I just, I just be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what you do. And Sarah and I are both, yeah, introverts. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm an introvert. I mean, exactly. Sarah and I are very, probably why, probably why we're such good friends. We're like, no, <laughs> that's just wrong. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting question because I think when I first started doing the podcast, and probably up until the moment that we pressed, um, record I think I was probably still at the angry stage because I think mm. I find it that the podcast really has been a huge form of, <laughs> of working work in progress therapy actually because I'm kind of the opposite same as you Sarah but also in the sense that I just didn't want to read anything more about it I didn't want to associate with this word it wasn't something that I dealt with and even even probably up to that point, I was still thinking that some kind of miracle might happen. Um, so I think probably even the last four four years, four years of doing this, however long we've been doing a podcast, I suppose has been a point of kind of recovery. But I've found mm. my biggest problem is being vulnerable. I don't do that easily. I'm very, very private. And also trusting people. Um, I've gone from easily trusting people probably when I was growing up um, and having the privilege of a really fabulous family to suddenly realise I have this difference that meant that I was different to the rest of my family and then it became a difficult thing to trust them again because they offered advice and so for me trusting people is hard and I think also I think that you're I, I just absolutely you are so right Karen and what you said about the childlessness my take is it's never always enough glue it's a big mm. glue it's a big thing in common of course it is but actually what I found is by having the privilege actually probably mostly actually through my design work of being able to to meet lots of people and, and help them with things and get them on their way to something in a practical sense rather than perhaps a 
paternalistic sense, but actually it does do a thing and it creates mm. maybe an opening for somebody and they go, oh, I can do this thing because you've given me the reason to do that. I now have a brand, I have a website, I have a thing, I do whatever it might be is great. But I think in doing so, it's that impactfulness of something. And I find it very hard sometimes to also, as Michael Woods will say, is that I find it very hard to go, okay, but the full stop has made this much difference for something that actually we just scribbled out, literally scribbled it out. But within all of that comes the risk that we might alienate other people who are our peers. And that's a risk. People might be mm. jealous of what we've done. They might feel that, you know, Michael's very popular. We've taken him away and stolen for ourselves. And Sarah is also very popular too, you know. But we've created a thing that we felt, I think, isn't necessarily for us. It's for everybody else. And as you say, Sarah, it's about the voices. This is what I wanted. I think it was to hear someone talk and to hear someone maybe swear a bit, get emotional, and talk something, again, within the last sort of time, this moment that we're online here together, Karen, I'm learning loads from you going, oh, yeah, did that? Oh, God, that's the thing too. <laughs> you know, because actually we're always learning from each other and isn't the most wonderful thing, a conversation in real time that I'm hoping will benefit other people as they listen and they can go, oh, yeah, I, I found that with somebody as well. Um, mm. It's hard to realise the impact and it's quite overwhelming. And in doing so, it creates, yeah, having to think about the boundaries, as you say, about your self-compassion for yourself which I'm terrible at um hands up totally um <laughs> yeah it's there's lots of emotions around all of, of 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 moving forward in some form um yeah and I I I love thank thank you for for saying that that, that you've already learned stuff as we as we're talking that the same goes for me and I think also what really jumps out right now listening to all of you and also kind of reflecting on my own answer there is that I think I've needed to connect with people in this community as well to get to where I am today I'm 11 years into my childless journey and if it wasn't for the, everybody I've met in the community whether they're still in my life or not and whether they're still friends or not or whether they ever came became friends um I think everybody gave something to me that I was able to take with, that I was able, able to take something forward from um, as I healed um, um, from, from, from the childless grief. And I think that's been, I think that's where probably the biggest power of our community lies as well, of, of this peer support is that, you know, because we all go through stages, right? When, when we're, when we're, when we're grieving and, you know, we, we, we still, we still do, even though, like I just said, I'm 11 years in. I still have moments that are very much uh, griefy moments or triggering moments. Um, so I'm still able then to connect to uh, some of these peers in, in, in the community. But also, I love that I was able to kind of, this sounds a bit stalkerish, but that's not how I mean it, but to kind of observe how other people dealt with, for example, being really angry about yeah. the fact that they were childless or that they were kind of feeling completely lost or depressed or even kind of in denial about it or trying to kind of like, you know, kind of talk themselves kind of, well, you know, I probably deserve this. So that's what, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we, we, we've all been there to kind of like this bargaining ourselves out of um, why we're actually in the community in the first place. Um, 
And, you know, so I think that's for me. And, and then, of course, you know, also getting to the point to have role models almost kind of say, OK, wow, you know, look at these women they've uh, or men. Uh, um, look at these people um, having made a life for themselves. Um, yeah. despite being childless or you know or maybe even because of that because because they are now childless not by choice um i think you know i think it's safe to say for all of us we're living a different life than we may have thought we would we were going to live before we became to be childless oh completely i think that sometimes when i sat and had to pinch myself for the privilege of the stories that we've we've heard mm. um the feedback from our, our listeners in the ways that they feed back and the general just compassion that people have for each other. It, I had a comment once from someone, a friend of mine who was a, is a parent, and she said that she actually felt jealous of the compassion and the support that she could see that was around the different ventures that happen. You know, she tuned in and picked up on World Childless Week and was just stunned that there were people willing to be ambassadors and to stand up and do that. And that you know, people were able to sort of get involved in, in that in some form. And it's the same you know, with, the, with the full stop. She was amazed by that and the, how actually the conversations that we have with our guests and how natural they are. And, and that for her, that was a revelation because... She's. I don't didn't find that in any of her parenting groups. There's a you know a, often the kind of a, a one-upmanship that's there mm. um, that exists, and, and and that I think must be very hard to deal with. I think we do create perhaps a sense of um, I don't know FOMO. Maybe I mean obviously we will all want the joy of missing out because it will be in a different life. But actually taking the stuff that we've all learned together and putting that into something that's make somebody else think oh got something I think is a real accolade for the community at large isn't it really mm -hmm. the privilege of, of what we do and I think of the stories we hear and, and being part of that is never ceases I think to amaze all three of us actually we've got I love that as well I, re so I love that mm. thank you so the comments, um, we have a comment that says it's a case of no pain, no gain, which I would imagine, I'm guessing, relates to reaching out and creating those support networks. Mm. And another comment that says the childless not by choice journey has taken away many friendships and built some wonderful ones. This to me is a form of self-compassion. It is difficult for this journey not to create a paradigm shift in life. I found it easier to go with it. Yeah. Mm. gosh that's wow yeah that really resonates as well because i think and i think that's where thank you for for for, for putting the comment in um dear listener um i think that this is almost like the one of the biggest things that i've had to go through myself but also what i see with people i work with and people in the community is to get to that point where you find yourself in that moment say okay all these paradigms are shifting um i just better kind of go with the flow of it rather than keep kind of battling against it or kind of going up against it or um fighting it whatever word you want to use to kind of uh, to kind of that that stops you from going with that flow and i think that's been i think for so many 
people in the childless community or people dealing with adversity, people dealing with loss, dealing with unexpected loss, in loss of dreams, um, loss of hope, especially. Um, I think that is one of the biggest struggles that I also dealt with is to actually get to the, get to that point where I was like, okay, I think Michael, you already swore one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna copy you there, but just to go, fuck it, let's just kind of submerge myself in it and see. You know, just kind of go with the current instead of trying to go upstream all the time because um, it was just simply exhausting. It was so tiring. It felt so lonely. It felt so isolating. It felt so, gosh. And I think that even the, the I think the word they use is like uphill struggle. Well, that's what it really felt like. And and especially then when you're carrying this massive big rucksack full of grief as well. My gosh, it's a surprise that some of us were still standing at that time when we did when we when we did find the courage to reach out. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really struck by that actually. You you you've set my mind off um off on a tangent. But it's kind yeah. of I think that for me, sitting with our community and people in it, I think that's the difference, isn't it, Berenice? The fact that we're not competing. In fact, you know, I often have people say to me, Oh, well, my story is not as bad as yours or Berenice's or Michael's or whatever and you're just like it never occurred to me that this would be a game of top trumps it's you're in this community that none of us envisaged we would be in and I think part of the if you like going through that grief cycle and, and legitimizing that is the grief you know somebody's put a lovely comment in there I, I could recognize the legitimacy of my grief and getting mm. to that you know, almost like that holy grail of acceptance. You know, we all, we're all sort of like when at the very beginning, we're just like, right, I just want to shoot through all this this crap, this shit, and just get to acceptance. But I think a big part of my journey actually was that self-compassion and being able to accept I am part of this community, how I turn up, who I am, the fact that I'm a, an introvert, you know, doing a podcast just, you know, just blows my mind, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> but it's kind of, there is a big part of getting to that, acceptance is acceptance of self isn't it and of the position you're in and who you are and how you turn up in the world how, how have you found that have, do you feel but somebody mentioned a paradigm shift how, how have you experienced that Karen as you kind of reflect back and you work with new people how how do you find that how do you sit with it um it's a bit up and down to be completely honest um on good days, I'm I'm completely there. I'm completely with it, and I'm completely on the ball with it. Where actually, like, you know what? Yeah, you know, completely, fully self-accepting and completely compassionate and full of love and full of, you know, determination to kind of get get through this. And um, and then there are moments where I'm just like, no, oh, no, 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 not today. We're not doing this today. I'm not there. I am today. I just need. Um, I just want to, you know slam doors, you know, um, fall off ladders, um, you know, <laughs> just, you know, just kind of, um, you know, break something, just kind of like have that the kind of like, you know, where, where I think we all have those days. Um, I, I, please do, please tell me that you do, because otherwise I might just feel like the crazy one here. But, you know, um, we all have those days where we just want to break something. We just want to go and grab a, a, a bat and just smash something. And of course, yeah, not hurting others. Yeah, disclaimer here. Um, you know, always, you know, wear safety goggles and <laughs> mind how you go. I suppose there is a bit of self-care and self-compassion in there somewhere. But, you know, so it's, 
And I think that's also okay to kind of accept. I think that's that's the duality of grief. And there's even, it's called the, a dual process model of grief. It's where you kind of oscillate between um, the grief orientation side and then the restoration uh, re restoration side of grief is where then the grief oriented side is to really kind of submerge yourself into the grief. And like, gosh, this really hurts. And why? And, you know, all the anger and all the rage and everything that comes with that part of grief. And then you kind of swing back into like, okay, got that out of my system now there's room for hey how can I restore from this and how can I move a little bit further perhaps on the scale of grief um, than where I was before I let go of the anger and stuff and I think that's also how I work with my clients is to kind of see hey where are they at and especially I think also what's important to remember if you meet someone or talk to someone even in the community always try and see where they're at, even though you might be somewhere different in your journey, because someone's response or someone's post or someone's uh, whatever it is that they share might come from a, uh, a place of where they are having, you know, that that kind of uh, one of their darker, griefy days. And um, whilst you might be going like, hey, you know, life is pretty good, even though I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm carrying this grief with me. But today is a good day and I'm, I'm kind of content. So also there, I think I said it at the beginning as well, be aware of where you are at that moment in time and just kind of see, hey, how can I respond to this person um, uh, that is helpful, that is useful, but also to still be mindful of, of where I'm at uh, rather than jumping back into their, in, into where they are. It's also okay to stay where you are and just kind of say, hey, you know what? It's okay. You know, those days are part of it. I didn't think that for me has been really crucial almost. God, it actually touches me a little bit at this moment. Um, Michael did warn me that this would happen when I was talking to you guys. And yeah, here it is. Yeah. Kind of accepting the, the dark with, with the light um, and to kind of be okay with both, I suppose. Yeah, I think that that, that darkness can come in so many different ways. The, the conversation has uh, sparked a memory for me. Um, and yeah, and I think it's a really good example of self-compassion. But at the same time, it's about yeah, sitting with a bit of darkness. Some time ago, Vicky and I were out to dinner with a group of friends who we've known for a long time. Been around, you know, we've been together for ages and they are very aware of our situation. And there we were sitting at dinner. And then this might be a bit too much information, but um, the conversation then went to, because uh, all the rest of them are parents, went to um, when they had their children who had uh you know, the most stitches and it became quite, it started to get quite graphic, quite graphic. And I looked over to Vicky and I could just see that it, it was, it was affecting her. So I said, at a quite a, you know, reasonable volume, are you okay? And everyone would have heard that and it mattered nothing. Nothing at all. It, the conversation just kept going, and um, and so it, it that sent sent us both into a bit of a spiral because I was pissed off that they could think that way. Vicky was deeply hurt that these friends that she thought were, you know, knew were compassionate now appeared they weren't. And so between the two of us, we just made the decision: right, you're gone. That's it. Out for for our own self compassion for for our own. Um, mental health that we haven't seen them since that paradigm shift is that one of the things that we've had to become comfortable with is that 
not only letting go of our grief, but letting go of people. And, you know, it's it's not a nice thing, but at the end of the day, we're being compassionate to ourselves. Have mm-hmm. have Karen, have you had a, ever had an experience like that? Um, do you have any, you know, words of advice around that sort of thing? What dinner parties with awkward conversations? <laughs> <laughs> well, not just um, more about just more about letting you know th- that whole that whole thing about you, you're going to have to. In my logical mind, it's mm. more about well, look, you know, shit happens. You got to let that go. But I know sometimes it's not as easy. It's easier said than done. Yeah, and what really bugs me about having to do that is that it feels like it's always us that have to do that. Mm. Yeah. You know, why? And, and, and this this is something that I've really, and it, it might also be my, my own perception because I am where I am and I am in a situation that I'm in, in, case, in this case, being, being childless and being surrounded by people who are parents. Um, and again, also there I have moments where I'm completely at ease. I'm completely comfortable with, with being in that situation. And then there are moments where I'm just like, oh, what you've just described as well, like, no, out, nope. No more, you know, that door is closing and it, it it will not be opened again. It is vaulted shut and, you know, there's no way through that anymore. Um, and I think that was one of the hardest things to realize is that it's always us. And with us, I mean, us being the childless person at the table or in, an, in a social environment, even at work, where whenever we find ourselves interacting with others um, who might be parents or non-parents or whatever their parental status is. Um, but when we get uncomfortable, I find that too often we're the ones to kind of like, oh, do you know what? Um, I'll just suck it up. I'll just deal with this. I'll just make my way through this rather than actually go, do you know what? I'm not going to sit here or stand here and 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 be, be, be subjected to this because it really is too painful for me. And I need then, I know that if I stay in this situation, I'll probably need five days to emotionally, to to recover from this emotionally. And why would I do that to myself? So I think that's also one of the things that I've learned the hard way uh, is that I've had too many recovery days, so to speak, after Mm. social events, where I just went, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't keep doing this to myself. And then of course, with that, being self-compassionate and really looking after myself came the loss of that connection of that friendship or of that relationship, um, uh, regardless of, mm-hmm. of, of the level of, of uh, the level of that relationship, uh, what, what the level of that relationship was. Um, yeah. And that came with a sense of loss. And, that, and then again, I had to like, Oh gosh, go through another grief cycle. I'm going through another cycle of dealing with loss, another cycle of transformation where I had to observe what was happening. I had to check in with my own feelings around that. I had to reflect on, hey, but where is it coming from? Is it me or is it the other person? And I had to act on that. Okay, what do I do and what do I need in this situation? And then kind of grow around that. And I've just um, sneakily threw in my circle of transformation that I work with as well, where you kind of find yourself in a situation, observe what's happening, feel what that does for you, reflect on it, look at and act on the needs that you have in that moment in time, and then you can grow from there. And that except, uh, that also asks of us that we kind of are open or open, but that we open ourselves up to the pain and the sense of loss that comes with the loss of that particular relationship or that friendship 
or that, you know, that colleague that we used to have a lot of fun with, but they're like, you know what? Um, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So it's, um, it's a tough one. And it really is, um, like I said, almost infuriating at times that it always has to be us to be kind of like the understanding between brackets, the understanding one. Mm. Um, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm charging, uh, 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 charging a little bit here because I do have friends and people in my uh, social circle who do get it, who do understand, who are very understanding. And that when I do speak up or when my husband checks in with me at an event, like, hey, are you OK? And someone clocks that that say, hey, um, sorry, I just realized we were talking too much about a specific topic. Um, you're right. You know, let's let's let, let's talk about something else. Um, how can we bring you back? Uh, in, in into the conversation so I'm very grateful to have also people in my life and I think that's also because I'm such an extrovert and I never stop talking and I share my story wherever to whomever <laughs> wants to hear it <laughs> and I think that, but that has really helped as well to kind of learn how to open up and not be silenced not be shut down and not be kind of shying myself away in a corner just because I'm the childless one at a at an event or at, at in a social circle yeah I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because what I found with um, the journey, I know we, it's a bit of a cliche, but we call it journey, right? But it's what I found was that being open, I felt incredibly vulnerable at the beginning, whereas now, not so much. It just, you know, it just is. You know, I've got blonde hair and I'm childless. It, I don't know, maybe it takes on less significance the more compassionate you are. So, you know... I'm not going to go to that bar mitzvah, that, you know, that, that naming ceremony. I'm actually going to perhaps send a gift. And that's all I, that's all I have the capacity for right now. Whereas before it'd be like, I should go, I should go and have fun. I should be able to go and sit with the conversations and the pain. I, I wonder if that, that circle of the uh, circle of transformation is part of that process in accepting that there are limitations into what you can do mm. And working within it. Definitely. Definitely. Because I think if you allow yourself to take that time to make the observation, to kind of check in with those feelings and then to kind of, you know, act upon them in a way that serves you um, while still being also true, true to yourself. If you are a person that, would, that that does enjoy going to the to events or that that wants to be part of you know your cousin's life or who, whomever's birthday party it is or whomever's wedding or whatever the occasion whatever whoever the person is if you find it important to invest in that relationship try and find a way to do so that it works for you but also that you still invest in that relationship and that that's also what it what what it asks of you in that moment in time because it's also sometimes it can be too easy is not the word but it can be um tempting to just kind of throw up the uh, throw a uh, uh, draw in the bridge uh, close close down the shutters and just kind of close yourself off from the world completely and i think although that's a part of grief that we've all kind of been uh, i've i've been there where i just you know i didn't want to interact with anybody um but i've also had to learn that for some relationships to survive um, my childlessness um, and 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 the relationship to to to, to stay um, to stay strong is that I've also had to reach out to the other person to explain myself, but also to find ways to stay connected 
um, that might not mean showing up in person, but indeed send a card or get a thoughtful gift and have that sent over or, you know. Um... Storyhouse Childless takes place on Saturday the 23rd and Sunday the 24th of September at the Garrett Theatre in Chester in the UK. It's two days of events to explore living without children, to build community, to meet new friends and to hear people's personal stories. We're delighted to be there over the weekend and we'll be recording the Full Stop podcast live on the 24th of September. The team at Storyhouse have given us two weekend passes to give away. All you need to do is head to their website www.storyhouse.com forward slash childless and find out who the keynote speaker is for 2023. Then enter the competition at our website www.thefullstoppod.com forward slash storyhouse 2023 where you can also find the full terms and conditions. The closing date is midnight on the 18th of July 2023, after which we'll randomly select the winner and we'll announce the winner on our August 2023 podcast. Good luck. Um, long live Zoom, long live video chats these days. I just maybe sometimes record a, a little video message. It's like, hey, you know, thinking of you today. Um, I hope you're having a wonderful day. And, you know, I'm with you there in spirit. And um, and just kind of leave it at that as well, eh? rather than going into explaining, oh, why I'm not there, because that's what I used to do. I, I went to this whole kind of um, almost like, you know, paragraphs of or chapters of oh I'm really sorry but it's too much blah 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 I'm like no I'm not going to do that anymore either I've stopped excusing myself for not being there um and just say hey you know what I choose me I'm choose to show up in a way that works for me but still also makes you feel that you're part of it and that you're included I love that Kari love it I absolutely mm. I think that's something yeah definitely I would certainly take away from that because mm. yeah I'd certainly find that very hard yeah. um personally from, from you know way way back um in in no before before we even knew that the word COVID existed then I was deeply hurt at a, a family gathering where we'd done the whole check-in and we mm. were we were being um supportive of each other and what we found was that actually someone pitied me for the fact that I wasn't having a drink, that I was looking after myself. And that was really hard. And I have to say that that one comment set me back months because yeah. I thought I'm not an object of pity. Mm. Really, really not. I mean, this was... We'd started the podcast by then, actually. We had. We we were about six months into the podcast. So we were kind of already finding our feet and we'd broken that kind of eight episodes thing where people say, oh, that's eight episodes. But in order to to explain oneself, you have to give away, well, I had to give away pieces of myself. Mm -hmm. At that point, I thought, no, I am done. I wasn't going to be swearing on this podcast. But I'm done with that <laughs> I am not telling you, particularly relation in this case, how I'm feeling in order to make you feel that you can justify saying, 
you pity me when actually I've just watched your family all get absolutely legless on the dance floor and there was a thing going on behind the scenes with the particular family that I knew was going to happen and boom at some point and it did over the Christmas period and I was I was I was like oh there we go you know it it's it's one of several things that makes up who I think we are but sometimes explaining it it's it's giving away pieces of ourselves and that if it was something else, and that was the interesting thing about, about COVID, is that universally, everyone was dreading this thing. So we were united in, in, a, in a thing. But actually, when you've gone through quite a lot of trauma with coming to terms with childlessness, I have to say I was one of the people that sat there going, okay, but this is peanuts compared to actually what I've been through. Mm. When none of you reached out and said, are you okay? I don't really want to talk about how we're doing with COVID. I'm probably doing the same as you are, but actually ask me something else about myself. And I think mm. it's interesting, interesting few years in that. I'm rambling now with no particular point, but I'm just sort of, <laughs> actually, there is this huge kind of like compassion that I think that exists within us. And the one thing that when we talk about how the glue of childlessness maybe isn't everything, but I think we've all universally at some point within our community been through a thing where we've been sat there like Michael, like Vicky and gone, what the hell am I doing here? Why do you, What? why? But letting those relationships go, my goodness, that hurts. And you're right, Karen, it is a form of grief. It's really upsetting. Um, yeah. And it comes up time and time again, doesn't it? In, in the things that we, the conversations I think we have and in support groups, um, doubtless it will come up in our full sort community too. How do you deal with that grief of letting a dear friend go? And if you don't, how do you stay in touch with them on your own terms? And that's a really, really tricky thing. It's very tricky. Yeah. Yeah, it is really tricky. And I would recommend anybody who is listening, who is struggling with that, is to kind of, you know, open up about that also in in, in whatever community you are part of or who, whomever you are connected with in the childless community, or perhaps, you know, even with a childless informed therapist, uh, counsellor, um, you know, the, 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 there's, the, the, there's a few of us around. Um, because there are ways that you can practice with that, but also just kind of, and 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 it looks different for everybody, right? You know, um, uh, we've already here with with between the four of us, there's four different characters here, and so each of us deals with that in our own way. We all show up as um, as friends um, in our own unique way, and I think that's the beauty about that as well. I I, I always say to people, please be your most youest version of you. Uh, not the truest, but the youest version of you, because um, th that's the only way you can be your complete, authentic self. And I think also what you just said, Berenice, is that that that, that pity, that 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 openly being pitied. Oh, it's one of my, mm. oh, one of my real, real big kind of red flags, whatever it's called. But it's just like it it enrages me so, and. Mm. If people catch me on a bad day, <laughs> oh my God, do I <laughs> do they never pity anybody else ever again? Because I just go <laughs> like like that. But um, and other other moments, I'm just other other moments when I'm have when I'm a bit more connected to my healthy brain, where I'm a bit more emotionally stable. I have also come to a place where I sometimes just kind of laugh at them. I think um, that's where I got to. I had the one in the one a.m. in the morning, you know, because it was way after the event happened, um, so it wasn't something at the time. And then I was this this happened, and I was like, "Oh, 
And at the time I was like, my God, I'm so angry. And then at one o'clock in the morning, I'm having a rant. And then about weeks later, I'm like, oh, God, really? <laughs> and then finally I got to the point where I thought, oh, you absolute twonk. Really? If that's what you think of me, then really you just, you're, you're, you're missing out. Uh, but yeah, it took a long time to get that, and probably, mm. probably a bit of ranting. I probably think with Sarah and Michael about it too, because again, we are our own little network. So you know, and it was again just having someone to talk to and go, "Am I wrong for thinking this?" You know, just to sense check myself that is it is it just me or or would you do? And and invariably, of course, the answer is, "I'm I'm angry for you too," and that. Is like, oh, thank goodness, someone else can actually take that anger from me and say, okay, look, give me this for a minute. It's a bit like bag of grief. And I always think that the grief we carry is a bag and some days it's heavy and we need help with it. And other days we carry it and we we know it's there, but we can manage the load. And in a way, I think all emotions can be a bit like that. Anger is one of them. Actually, look, can can someone just take my anger away just, just for a few minutes or a couple of days? Then just, you know, I have it back, but I just need you to just deal with that for me because I can't do that. And that doesn't have to mean, I think, for, for listeners who are thinking, well, okay, you know, you, you've got a partner. I think friends can do that too. We mm. do that. You know, we're here for our listeners, yeah. whoever and however you are and wherever and how you live will do that for you because I think you just need someone around to do that with you it is mm. it's critical to recovery to have that support network someone there yeah mm, definitely definitely and I also love how you touched upon anger just once again because I think that I, I do believe um there are healthy forms of anger also when you're grieving it it's 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 a it's a healthy emotion to have. I think what you need to be careful of when your anger goes underground here, when you kind of, when it turns into rage and when you actually start not just breaking objects in the safety of, uh, with your safety goggles and just kind of, um, but when you kind of start really kind of hurting yourself or uh, others around you with your angry behavior, I think that's also a time to kind of, you know, think, okay, hey, maybe I just need to reach out to someone and kind of say, hey, where where can I place this? Where can I go with this? And I think it's um, it's good to be aware of that. And I think that goes for any emotion that you feel, eh? not just anger, but also, um, you know, um, envy or, you know, uh, uh, um, um, sadness or anything, a- any of the emotions on the scale. I think um, be, be aware of hey, how, how much is yeah. still healthy emotion and how much is kind of like, OK, I'm, I might need some support with this. I think that's really good because it's something I struggled with way back and yeah, mm. recognising and coming to terms with the fact that I was actually hurting myself was yeah. actually quite a big revelation. And you don't actually realise the kind of tiny ways that one does that. And mm. So wise words, Karen, absolutely agree. Thank you. We have a question for you, Karen. Mm. Oh, exciting. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so from the audience, how do you know if counselling or coaching would be the better option for someone, or have they decided that before they come to see you? Oh, what a brilliant question. Um, and I would like to extend it also to Sarah, if that's all right. I don't want to put you on the spot there, but I think, <laughs> no, but it, I think, no, but I think it would be good to get an, uh, to get a, a perspective from someone who's extroverted like me and a counsellor, and then maybe from a more introverted perspective, um, uh, but also a counsellor. And I think it's good to get those two perspectives. Is that all right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, so for me, uh, uh, thank you, listener, for that question. I really love that you are asking that. Um, again, I think it's really personal. 
Um, because I think that sometimes it's hard to recognize when you get to the point of acknowledging to yourself, hmm, I might need some help. I could do with some counseling. I could do with some coaching. Um, but sometimes it's also people in your environment, uh, whether it's a partner or a good friend or perhaps a work colleague that you kind of have a good working relationship with, um, or it could be just a random conversation with a stranger on a bus, you know, that also happens, um, where people might go, hey, you know, that sounds really tough and it sounds like you're struggling. Have you ever thought of getting some help? And then when for some people that really is a light bulb moment where they go, help? There's no help for me around this topic. Oh, yeah, there actually is. And so I think it really is personal. Um, in my experience within my practice, I see that most of my clients, the majority, come to me with a question that, hey, I I'm ready to get some help um, when they, by the time they've reached me. Um, and I think that's also a, a, um, um, a very healthy approach to um to getting some help because of course you have to want it yourself even if, if someone says to you i think you should get help and you're like well actually i'm not there yet or i'm not ready or i don't think i need help um and then it becomes forced and i don't I, I really doubt how successful you then could be in your healing journey with with help because you have really have to be willing to get the support and also be willing even more importantly be willing to do the work and i think You'll, you'll know within yourself when you're ready for that. Because I remember, um, just before I go to Sarah, I remember when I was at the beginning of my grief journey, um, if someone had told me then, oh, hey, I think you need to go and talk to someone, I would have just probably smacked him in the face. Because I was, A, very angry. B, um, a little misindependent over here. Hi, you know, I don't need help. I can do all this by myself. I build bamboo fences by myself. You know, those kind of things. And so I'm... Um, you're not going to tell me that I need to get support. Um, um, and so, and then it was, a, 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 I think it was a good 18 months later when I realized, yeah, this path of self-destruction and this path of being too bloody independent and just kind of like trying to fix everything myself. Um, I think I talked about it earlier on the podcast already, that uphill struggle just became too much and I kept falling over. And at one point, I was just too exhausted to dust myself off again. And like, okay, I now I need help. So that's a bit of a long-winded answer, but that's how I got to, or that's how what I would say um, to that question. Um, Sarah, what's your perspective on that? Um, I'm, I'm, I do work with grief, but I mostly work with trauma. So my my counseling is slightly different. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, most people, by the time they've reached out to me, they they're in a pretty um desperate situation you know they, they don't know who to talk to um they talk to friends and they're just not getting what they need back from just that that conversation over coffee or whatever um so i would i i was in a fairly similar situation i i went through the angry bit but i realized fairly quickly that i was really really in a very dark place and uh, for me coaching uh wouldn't be enough so for me coaching is really really good to take you from where you are springboard you into a future you know what does my future look like how can I change some of my behavior patterns to stop the self-sabotage and take me forward whereas I would say counseling and this was my experience was what's happened in the past that is now influencing my present and potentially going to influence my future if I don't stop the pattern and for me uh, I was very self-destructive very angry had a lot of stuff had happened before the childlessness and that had influenced the way that I reacted to my childlessness. So as you can imagine, it's no coincidence that I'm a trauma therapist 
um, because that was where I went with mine. So I would say, you know, if you are in a, a very dark place or, or, or just a space where you need somebody to listen without a judgment, a helpful suggestion, or, or has that sense of knowing, you know, Karen and I have lived experience and that's why we've come into this space because I don't know about you, Karen, but I couldn't find a therapist that could sit with my childlessness without, have you thought about, have you considered mm. trying to fix it? And I was like, yeah. no, I need a therapist that goes, do you know what? I know where you are. I've been there. And actually I, I've, you know, I've worked through it and I can role model that in some way yeah. and, and provide that safe space. You know, the, mm. the, the triggers that you sometimes have to walk past without them having that awareness. And that's no fault of their own. Um, but, you know, play sets or family photographs, whatever. And before you know it, you're in the room and it's like phew, you're triggered yeah. and you're just like, I'm shut down now as well. So I think mm. if you are in that dark space, maybe it's about counselling rather than coaching but it's whatever you feel comfortable with. And it's about having a conversation with that therapist counselor to see if they're the right fit for you. So, you know, you may, you may, you may want to work with somebody like me who's quite introverted, specializes in trauma, takes it in a different direction. Whereas Karen, you may, you may need whatever Karen offers, which is extroversion, a lighter side of it, the grief focus. You have to go looking for the right therapist. It simply won't work if you don't feel safe in that relationship. That's my take on it. If um, so, yeah, it's it's about when you feel in that place, going to find the right person for you. Thank you both, because I think that's really informative for our audience, and it's a fantastic question as well. Thank you, Lucy, mm. for that. I found that yeah, really, really useful because it it can be really difficult to find the right person for you. Um, certainly, my experiences are that it took quite a number of goes find that right person um to help me get through things and what I think is fantastic is I know Sarah you're working on um your childless mental health hub that will allow people to find people who have got childless experience and the right counsellors and that's going to be really useful as that grows for our community I'm absolutely sure of it I know I would have welcomed that when I first came to this space would have welcomed both of you as, as, as <laughs> yeah, goodness, how lucky we are to how lucky I am to know you, how lucky we all are to be both of you. And my people, of course. Yeah, okay. Aww, that's so sweet. Thank you. We've got any more questions as we start to bring the podcast to a close today. Anything else that we would like to ask in our audience? Please feel free just to use the chat and let us know. And, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to, it doesn't always have to be about what you know we've been talking about today. You might just be curious because I'd be that person. Yeah. I would ask something totally off topic because I'm a nose, a curious person. Are we related? <laughs> Actually, the great news is, folks, is that I've got my DNA done. Okay, so this is the conversation, just to throw slightly off track, is that I did my ancestry DNA um, because Michael mentioned he had his done. And so yesterday morning we were talking about bits and pieces we had to do around bits to do with um, our online community admin stuff and things that were driving us slightly mad. And of course we didn't do, well, we did a bit, but mostly we talked about ancestry and family trees. And the great news is that Michael and Mike are not related. We thought we were (laughs) my family coming from Essex. And of course, those of you who know is that Michael also comes from Essex. We are not kind of like, eighth cousins or any kind of well not yet I mean I don't know um my 
I haven't quite got that far into it myself. It's only been a couple of days, but it was interesting. I recommend doing it because actually it was it was really cool because I thought, oh, it's going to be so dull. And actually it was really more interesting, my ancestry, than I actually thought it was. Um, so there you go. But yeah, we, 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 we both have Essex roots, but we, we, we've never encountered, our relatives have not so far that we know of encountered each other, which is which is good. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> digression oh my god we're saved by the chat <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so funny I'm, I'm, I'm just dreading i'm just dreading i'm just dreading michael's nosy questions now oh i know i know do yeah do always stand guard <laughs> i love a nosy question all right how was your holiday karen Oh, the holiday was um, amazing. Um, for those of you who are listening, uh, what Michael is referring to, I just spent 12 days in Greece on a small Greek island um, uh, after six years of not being on a beach holiday, kind of relaxing holiday. I've done city trips for the last few years, but um, I haven't been on a proper relaxing holiday and I can highly recommend it. Um, it was we had a little villa overlooking a cliff um, with our own private pool and it was just pure, absolute bliss and i am still kind of two weeks from i've been home for two weeks and i'm still kind of like nah i don't think i want to be home too much <laughs> i'm just already looking at kind of going away next um how can i make that happen um uh, time wise financially wise and um just kind of like to fit it all in no but it was wonderful absolutely brilliant i can highly recommend it if anybody wants to know where i went please contact me i'll be happy to share the details it was brilliant it looked amazing. So, so what's um, what's actually what's up? What's next for for you, Karen? Oh, great question, Michael. What's next for, for for me? What's next for me in relationship to pure transformations? Um, is it's quite an exciting time, actually. I am. Um, <clears throat> Besides being a guest on your podcast, I've been also a guest on some, on another podcast, Happy and Childless, uh, with Helen Gallagher, and we've decided to kind of come up with a mini series. So that's kind of really exciting about that. Um, there are some great stuff in the making that I can't tell you too much about, but I can. I think I think we can do a little spoiler alert here, Sarah. Um, I just yeah, I'm just going to tease people a little bit here. Um, can't give too away too much details just yet, but I'm really pleased to let you guys know that. Sarah and I, together with the wonderful Yvonne John, are working um, to kind of look into potentially setting up a retreat for childless um, for childless women, um, which is like a multiple day retreat where we do kind of some some cognitive work, but also some breath work, some body work. Um, there's there's going to be walking, chanting, lots of stuff, and it's just it, it, we're we're just throwing ideas back and forth and it's it's gone from uh, just a little idea to something that could be potentially quite big and um yeah. but so very excited about to be working on that um uh, my practice is still growing so that's really exciting as well and um yeah so i'm just kind of finding my feet um in in this whole new well it's, i say new space but it's kind of like i realized this morning when i woke up that it's almost been a, a year since i kind of ventured out um, after a massive change in my work in the childless community, um, that it's been now, it's been a year and things are kind of coming full circle also. So talk about that wheel of transformation that I mentioned earlier. Um, I think it's pretty timely and how wonderful to be spending uh, this this moment with you as well today, um, kind of coinciding with um, 
with that year kind of coming to a full close. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm finding my own feet. I've got tons of ideas. I just need to find a little bit of time how to manage it all. But um, also that is on, is on the cards and um, yeah, no. So thank you for that question, Michael. Um, future is looking, uh, future is looking exciting and bright and um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I was so pleased. I, we know a little bit about the spoiler uh, obviously Sarah being <laughs> part of it and we were just we're, Michael and I thrilled to bits absolutely thrilled to bits we can't wait to see what happens and fantastic work with Helen Gallagher of course happy and childless well done you and Helen and um, it's always Thank good you. to have some another podcast around as well oh um, mm. absolutely believe in collaboration not competition so we're really looking forward to to listening to that too so yeah it's all wonderful i'm so thrilled for you karen it's been been a year and it's been lovely to to watch developments and to hear what's coming up to how brilliant is that well done oh thank you guys and and um if i may use just this opportunity to kind of express my uh incredible gratitude to the three of you as well you have been so supportive in this last year um, um and i think it's just really good to know that i have true friends also in the community and you certainly are very part of that um inner circle and i really really appreciate that so um yeah no <laughs> thank you guys it's uh it's yeah i really really appreciate it there's lots of love from me to all of you guys and i love what you guys are doing i, I wish you all the best with circle as well i'm i'm, I'm happy to be a part of that and uh, just kind of curious to see how that evolves what a fantastic thing to do and who knew that when you started this podcast that this was that this is where it would lead um so i wish you nothing but the best with that and I it's so needed in the community and I am just so chuffed to bits that you've you've taken the plunge and um yeah may may that circle grow and cause ripples across the globe um and uh, reach everybody in our community who needs it because you know we wouldn't be where we are uh, today without the connections in those communities and I'm really just so chuffed to see you guys pay it forward very proud of you lots of love thank you you. Oh goodness me! Okay, okay, right now. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, I just had to put myself on mute there for a little bit. No, it's lovely. Isn't it? it goes back to that whole thing, isn't it? Of, of like the, I think sometimes we do create this amazing thing where it is the fear of missing out, and I think yeah. that wonderful thing to create in this community. Um, I don't think ever, as you say, Karen. I think when we have this idea on the literally scrap of a, a, a post-it note uh, which I wish I kept it was literally mm. this neon pink post-it note and I oh god I wish I kept it where I kind of had this scribble and I thought I had a chat with Michael and I thought Sarah Sarah would be good for this mm. and realized that we all like podcasts and we thought, oh there it is and actually yeah to, to, to go from that and the, the privilege of meeting all these wonderful people that we've met along the way and everyone that we've that listens to us too wow it, yeah it's a leap of faith but sometimes we have to do those leaps mm. because sometimes we just need to yeah we, we get itchy feet too and we need to go and push our boundaries and go out there and explore the world and i think that's one of the great things about meeting our guests is you've all encouraged us to do a bit more thanks for listening We hope you found our conversation with Karen as engaging and as informative as we did. We'd love to hear from you if you found the topic interesting or have been able to see more self-compassion in your own life. 
If you'd like to find out more about our podcast or you have a great idea for a topic we've not covered or you just want to know a bit more about something we've already discussed, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We want this podcast to have as many voices from across our community as possible. So if something's missing or you just want a deeper dive on it, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. You can also become a member of our brand new online community. It's a safe and inclusive space for anybody that's a member of the Childless community. You can find more details on our website at www.thefullstoppod.com. You can also sign up to our listeners list at the website, which keeps you up to date on what we're up to. And if you'd like to, you can also donate to our work too. As always, it's important for us to remind you, you're not alone. I just wish our audience could actually would have seen you, Karen, about six or seven months ago and Hmm. then seen you now. I'll just try and explain to them that, um, yeah, there's a there's a vast there's a, there is a vast difference to the way that Karen is smiling right now. <laughs> so um, yeah, you're beaming, girl. You're beaming. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm um, I'm amongst uh, I'm amongst uh, one of my favorite uh, one, of my, one of one of my favorite peoples in the community. So um, you are all kind of causing me to beam this way. But thank you, Michael, for yeah, I am in a different place, and it's a it's it's a good place to be. Uh, so thank you for that.